You guys encouraged yet this morning? Awesome. Well, go ahead and pull out your Bibles as uh, we're about to talk about some of the Word of God. Anybody ready to hear from God this morning? Awesome. Go ahead and open up to Acts chapter 2, where we're going to be in uh, just a moment. Everybody have a good uh, week off of church last week? It was a fun cookout. Anybody at the cookout? It was just a couple of us. Everybody was out of town. Happy Labor Day. 50 more days is what we've been talking about in our time together. We've been doing a series called 50 More Days. We've been highlighting the time, the 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, where he uh, took 40 days and continued appearing to his followers and preaching to them about the kingdom of God. He ascended into heaven. Ten days later uh, was the day of Pentecost where the Holy Spirit came on us, and we talked about that just in our last few weeks together. We've been talking about 50 more days, and today is day 50 of this series, 50 more days. See what we did there? Pretty creative, pretty clever. I know, we thought that out. 50 days since Easter, 50 days since the resurrection, and that means that we're wrapping up our series 50 days this morning. When we started this series, uh, whatever it was, I guess seven weeks ago, I challenged you not to, not to miss a Sunday because I really believe God was going to do something special in us and special in each one of us individually. And I just, I told you, I don't think you want to miss it because I don't want you to miss out on what God wants to do. And I would say over the last 50 days, God has definitely been doing some special things in, in different ones of you individually and us together. I mean, when, in our times together, on Sunday mornings even, God's just been so present with us over these 50 days. It's been so special to be with him as we come together. Not only that on Sundays, but I've just heard so many incredible stories uh, from different individuals and uh, different ones of you over the last 50 days talking about different things God's been doing in you. New things, new gifts of the Spirit that you're walking in, new hope, new faith, all kinds of things. Over the last 50 days, people have moved into houses they've been praying for. They've been starting new jobs they've been praying for. Relationships have been healed. It's been an amazing 50 days. I mean, the weather has been amazing, right? I mean, come on, that's because of this series, us doing that. <laughs> It's been an awesome 50 days, and um, I'm not sure that there's anybody other than me that's been here for the whole time, but God's definitely kept his end of the bargain, and he has done some incredible stuff, and uh, it's just been a fun, it's been a fun 50 days for us together. Has God been good to you over these last 50 days? It's been, it's been a fun time together. It's been great, and like I said, today marks day 50, and so this is going to be our final installment of 50 more days. And to get started, I have a question for you. By the show of hands, who remembers the good old days? If I remember the good old days, just, just, you know, the good old days. Whatever that means for you, that can mean a lot of different things. Just the good old days. You know, maybe for you, that's like, you know, it's NBA finals season. Maybe the good old days for you is like the late 90s Pacers. You know, like Reggie Miller, Jalen Rose, Anthony Davis, anybody. Anybody care about the late 90s Pacers? Come on. Yes. I actually knew somebody who uh, in the late 90s named her little uh, lap dog Jalen Rose because of Jalen Rose. And he, he was awesome. He's probably a better analyst than he was at basketball, but that's okay. Anyways, the good old days. The good old days, the old, the old Pacers. So maybe for you when you think about the good old days, it seems like every generation thinks that the generation underneath them doesn't know anything about music, right? Like every generation remembers their decades ago as like the good old days, you know? So like speaking of the late 90s Pacers, like 90s music, that's when I was growing up. Everybody, yes, that is the good old days of music. You know, every generation thinks, oh, the kids these days don't know anything. We need to go back to the good old days. And so just for uh, nostalgia's sake, I, I went back and looked up what, are, what was some of, the, some of the, the top music in the 90s. And uh, I'd love to hear what you think about this. We had U2. 
Yeah, they're in Chicago last night. They're doing a, they're doing a little tour right now. You two, Backstreet Boys, anybody? Come on. Big Backstreet Boys fan, not going to lie. I remember my older sister went to a, con- a Backstreet Boys with a concert with all her friends, and I literally wept because they wouldn't take me with them. And I was like eight. Okay, so Backstreet Boys. Celine Dion, anyone? Come on. I grew up on a steady dose of Celine Dion with my mom and three sisters, no brothers. Celine Dion and Shania Twain every time we got in the car. Those are definitely the good old days. I think maybe some question marks. Is this good old days or not? Is Hanson anybody? My wife loves Hanson. Uh, Ricky Martin. I don't know. Not, 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 so, not so strong. And, of course, everybody's favorite, Vanilla Ice. Vanilla Ice. The good old days. The good old days. Everybody remembers the good old days. I don't know what the good old days were for you, but we, we all remember the good old days. And the thing is, like, the, the life that we live, everybody around you, that's just kind of how life goes. Like, the good old days. Everything was kind of better back then, right? Like, Sad but true, what we're basically saying is, you know, our best days are behind us. That's kind of sad. The good old days sounds good, but when you put it that way, it's kind of lame, you know? The good old days, you know, like life, life during the honeymoon stage was, was way better. Whether that's your marriage or that job that you started that you were so excited about, but now you're a few years in and you forgot what you were so excited about. It was, it was just better, better in the good old days. Or the good old days, like before you had kids waking you up every hour of the night. Like back when you got sleep, the good old days, right? Anybody remember those good old days? I don't remember those good old days. We're, we're not getting a lot of those right now. I am, my wife's not, but she's amazing. <laughs> the good old days, maybe, maybe for you, good old days go back to high school, back when, you know, you could throw a pigskin a quarter mile, right? You remember the good old days, and sometimes you still put that letter jacket on and look in the mirror, and it's just time to put it away. But you remember the good old days. Everything's all about the good old days. Have any of you had the good old days? Like, you're like, yes, I, I have some fond memories of the good old days. We got one in the back who had good days. Everybody else had the bad days. Because let's be honest, not all the old days were good days. Not all the old days were good days, amen? Sometimes we got some bad old days. Not necessarily the good old days. I don't know. Sometimes you think about the good old days, you hear somebody say that, and you think, yeah, what, what good old days exactly were you talking about? Was it junior high? Because that was not the good old days. <laughs> Never the good old days in junior high. But as we finish up our series this morning, 50 more days. I want to encourage you this morning uh, from this title. So I want you to get your notes out if you don't have them out already. Get ready to write the title for this morning at the top of your page. As we finish this morning, I want to, I want to share with you this, this, this thought, this encouragement, this exhortation even. I, I, I'm, I'm passionate about this message this morning. I want to challenge you into this reality that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Anybody believe the best is yet to come? Yeah. I want to I share with you this morning from this thought, the best is yet to come. So touch three people around you and tell them the best is yet to come. Just share the good news this morning. Tell them. The best is yet to come. And over these last seven weeks as we've been doing our series, 50 more days, we have seen this reality, and there's kind of been this overarching message in these 50 days that I believe Jesus is trying to get across to us, that it seems like over these 50 days, we keep coming to like a different end of something, like, oh, Jesus' life ends on the cross, but, but wait, here comes the resurrection, and you think, well, that, that's, that's, that's the tops, that's as good as it gets, but wait, here comes the ascension, but wait, here comes Pentecost. And the reality is that in Jesus, the end of something is always the beginning of something new. 
and the best is yet to come. Whenever is ending, something new is beginning, and that something new is going to be better than what is ended. The best is yet to come. I don't know what you see when you look back. When you look back on the old days, on your own personal old days, when you look back on your past, I'm not sure what you see, if you see the good or the bad, but what I can promise you is that in Jesus, as you look forward, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. If you look back and all you see is hardship, all you see is suffering, sometimes you look back and all you see is the cross, right? But the resurrection's coming. The best is yet to come. Sometimes you look back on the good old days and you got all these testimonies behind you, all of this good stuff going on behind you. You know, sometimes it's like the disciples in Acts chapter 1 and 2 we talked about a few weeks ago. They, the last thing they saw was like the ascension. I mean, Jesus like, like goes up into heaven. I mean, that's, that's incredible. It's glorious. That's amazing. But the truth is Pentecost was still on its way. The best was still yet to come. Whether you look back and you see good or you see bad, what I know is what is ahead of you is the best that's yet to come. I love these 50 more days. I've loved our seven weeks together digging into these 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, these 50 more days. What do these 50 days have to do with our everyday? And the truth is, what is this, tr this truth, this idea, the best is yet to come? It sounds good in church, and yeah, sure, of course, we can talk about that, but what's this have to do with every day? And the truth is that with every one of these 50 days, Jesus is coming right at you. He is after your every day. He is after your Monday. He is after your Tuesday afternoon when you're tired and you're looking for a coffee or whatever. He's coming for you. He's coming right at you. And, and to wrap us up this this morning, wrap up this series, I believe this truth that the best is yet to come, he's, he's coming right for your insides. He's coming for you. He's coming after your discouragement. He's just, he just wants to take it down. He doesn't want that around anymore. He's coming after your disappointment. He's coming after your hopelessness. He's coming after your complacency. And he's trying to put some faith in some hearts in this room this morning. I believe God's trying to put some hope in some hopeless situations, that he is not just wanting us to come together and have a nice church service, but I believe that maybe he's trying to put a, a truth in your heart, trying to plant a seed in your heart that you're going to harvest from, from here on out. Maybe, maybe there's more for your life still. Maybe the best is yet to come. Amen? I don't want you to get stuck in the past. So many times through this series, we... We talked about how it was easy to get stuck in the past. Sometimes it's easy to get stuck in the bad. And sometimes it's easy to get stuck in the good. We started off talking about this sermon, you got to go to Galilee, right? It's right after Jesus has died, right before the resurrection. But right before he was taken to be killed, he told his disciples everything that was going to happen. And they didn't really understand it. I mean, I wouldn't either if uh, the guy I was following was like, hey, I'm going to get arrested and I'm going to be killed, but then I'm going to raise again. I'd be like, what's the metaphor here? He's like, no, but for real, that's exactly what's going to happen. They, they missed it, though. But before, before all that happened, he said, I want you to meet me back up in Galilee. He knew they were going to desert him. He knew they were going to leave him hanging. He knew he was going to die all alone. But before they could even have regret, he paved the road for restoration. He said, I need you to go to Galilee. Don't get stuck in what you didn't do. Go into what I've called you to. Come on, that's a good word, somebody. Come on. 
He's calling you to Galilee. Sometimes we can get stuck in the good. Sometimes we can get stuck in the bad. And from, we talked about a, a message from A to P a few weeks ago, from Ascension to Pentecost. It would have been easy for them to get stuck in what was so awesome. They followed Jesus for three years. They've, they've, uh, they've made it through the, the death and resurrection by his mercy. They've, they've made it to Galilee. And he tells them, go make disciples of all nations, all these amazing things. They could have gotten stuck in the good and said, we're ready for this. But Jesus said, I want you to wait. There's more. I want you to wait for Pentecost. I want you to wait to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then I'm going to send you out to do everything that I've called you to do. The best is yet to come. Do you believe that this morning? The best is yet to come. What I love about Jesus is that he didn't just save you from your past. He saved you for a future. I want you to write that down this morning. The best is yet to come. Jesus didn't just save you from your past. He didn't just save you from what you have or haven't been, what you did and didn't do, though that would be amazing if that was it. But the best is yet to come, and he has saved you for a future. I don't want you to get stuck in the past. I don't know what your good old days look like. But I know that no matter what they look like, whether they look good or whether they look bad, what I know is that God has been good. God has been good. Whatever your old days look like, God has been good. Like I said, I'm, I'm just coming after your discouragement this morning. That's, that's really my one goal. It's just like, nope, none of that. You're not, you're, everybody has to smile leaving this morning. He's been good. And some of you are in the middle of something that doesn't look good right now. And it's maybe not, but he's still good. Whatever your good old days, your bad old days might look like, God has been good. Whether you saw he was being good or you didn't see it, he was being good. Like that time you had nothing, but he made a way. He was good. Like that time your marriage wasn't supposed to make it, but you're here. Or you weren't supposed to make it, but you're here. He's been good. He's been good. He's been with you. He's been with you in every basement you shouldn't have been in, every dark alley you shouldn't have gone through, every valley of the shadow of death that you've walked through. He's been there, and he has been good. He's been good when you brought him nothing, and he gave you everything. He was good when he died for you while you were still sinning, and he loved you. He was good when he blessed you while you cursed him. He was good when you turned your back on him, and he never turned his back on you. He has been good. He has been good. In the good old days and in the bad old days, God has been good. Whatever you see when you look back, would you see a good God? Would you see a good God this morning? He was good then, and he's good now, and he's always going to be good. He was good when he said yes to you. He was good when he said no to you. He was good when he said wait, when he gave you what you wanted, and he didn't give you what you wanted. God is good. So don't get me wrong this morning. God's been good, but the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come because, like I said, he's been good. He's good right now, and he's just going to keep being good. I pray for you this morning that when you look forward, when you think about what God might be able to do with you in your life, what the Holy Spirit who filled you a few weeks ago may do through your life, it just might be better than anything you've ever seen. The best is yet to come. He has been so good, but the best is yet to come. On Easter, we talked about um, how the resurrection, the resurrection isn't uh, the, the pinnacle of anything. It's, it's not the pinnacle of our life with God, but the resurrection is our launching pad. 
Sometimes I think whether you're a Christian or not, I kind of look at Easter and be like, yep, that, that was it. You know, that's the resurrection. It's tough to beat that. But then over these last 50 days, we've seen Jesus stuck around because there was always more. The resurrection wasn't a pinnacle. It was a launching pad. And in the same way that the resurrection wasn't a pinnacle, it was a launching pad, I want to encourage you this morning that these 50 days are not a pinnacle either. These 50 days aren't the pinnacle. They're another launching pad. These 50 days weren't a pinnacle. They serve as a precursor for what God's called you to. Jesus, over these 50 days, he transitions his followers. He transitions all of history. He transitions us from being reliant on just him right in the flesh to be with us. Then he fills us with his spirit. And in these 50 days, they serve as a precursor to the church. You, his body, filled with the spirit of God. These 50 days aren't a pinnacle, they're a precursor. Amen? It just gets better. The best is yet to come. Over the last couple of weeks, uh, our last two weeks together, we talked about uh, Acts chapter 1 and 2, this day of Pentecost, this from A to P. And we talked about what goes in must come out, right? That God wants to fill you with his spirit, but not just to stay inside, but he wants to come out in the fruit of the spirit. He wants to come out in the power of the Holy Spirit so that the world around you can eat some fresh fruit in a broken world, amen? And so that the world can see some people walk in the power of God to bring the kingdom of God. From A to P and what goes in has to come out. That was where we were at our last couple of weeks together. We talked about this day of Pentecost and the Holy Spirit comes on Pentecost and fills, fills the, the folks in the upper room and revival hits the city. It talks about a sound and there's fire and all these kinds of stuff. We, didn't even be able, we weren't even able to get into a whole lot of it. But after what we talked about Last time where the Holy Spirit comes, it says there's a sound and the whole city hears it. Can you imagine? God did something in this room and all of Indianapolis heard it. People started flooding to this house, saying, I gotta hear what this sound is all about. What was that? The disciples stand up, they start preaching the gospel in different languages and so that everybody from every nationality could hear the gospel in their language. I love that they started sharing the gospel in everybody's language. Because the truth is that you speak a unique language that the world needs to hear. In Acts chapter 2, what it's literally talking about is they started literally speaking different languages. But I love that on today we got to watch that video about Radiate 60 because the truth is, is that uh, Carly and Crystal, they're full of the Holy Spirit to go speak the language of, the, of hairstylists and preach the gospel. And, and you're, called, you're called to speak the language of businessmen. You're, start, you're called to speak the language of moms. You're called to speak the language of dads, of teachers, of everything it is that you do. You are filled with the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel in every language so that every nation, every ethnicity, and every sphere of influence might hear the good news of Jesus. You're called to speak a, a, a unique language. I love Acts chapter 2, this day of Pentecost. It's an amazing day. It changes the course of history. Because of Pentecost, we are here today. But Acts chapter 2 ends with a few verses, and it basically ends explaining what came out of Pentecost. Because just like everything else, the end of the day of Pentecost is the start of something new. Amen? The end of, the Pentecost, the end of Pentecost was the start of the church. 
Acts 2, 42 through 47 says this. It's on the final, final uh, verses of Acts chapter 2 as it explains to us what came out of the day of Pentecost. It says this, And they, the followers of Jesus, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Acts 2, 42 through 47 outlined for us what happened from Pentecost. The church began. The church, has began, the church has begun. And I love it that these 50 days, they weren't just for kicks and giggles. They were to birth something that would bring you here into this room this morning on this day. These are a powerful 50 days. Birth the church. And when we think of church, we think of different things. You know, when we think about church, I don't know what you think of when you think of church and maybe what the people in your life think of when they think of church. I think if we're honest with the lives that we live and everything we got going on, it's easy for, for a church to just kind of, when we think about church, we kind of think about it as like an accessory, like a, like a watch or a belt or a shoe, pair of shoes or something, something that you wear when it fits. Where you wear it when it fits with everything else going on, right? It's kind of this event that you go to when it looks good, when it feels good, when it looks right, when it works with everything else you got going on. I know a lot of people that, that just kind of see church as an accessory. And honestly, the, the people in, in my life who, who aren't following Jesus or anything, I'd say that's kind of the, that's kind of the attitude. I don't, my outfit's fine, right? Life's good. I don't really need another accessory. I don't know what you think of when you think of church. Maybe it's just an event. Or sometimes when we think of church, we just think about our preferences, right? Like church is about like, do we sing the songs I like? Or like, I don't know if that song was okay or not. I don't know. It's all right. Preferences, is, 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 is it built on the songs that I like? Or do I like, do I like that preaching style or this preaching style or all of these sorts of things? Sometimes we just think of church as it's built on preferences, Sometimes we think of a building or we think of an organization when we think about the church. And the truth is that none of these things are bad. And we're not getting away from any of these things. Like, we're going to keep singing songs, right? Some of us are going to like them and some of us aren't, right? We all got preferences. Nothing's wrong with that. We're meeting in a building. Praise God. We got to have some organization around here. We're not getting away from these things. But when we look at these 50 days and what they birthed, when we think about the church that Jesus birthed through his life, his death, his resurrection, and through this day of Pentecost, I want to make sure we're not just stopping too short, right? This church is not just about preferences or buildings or any of, any of these things, because the truth is when Jesus, when he thinks about his church, when he speaks about his church, when Jesus longs for his church, he longs for you. When Jesus thinks about the church, he thinks about you. He thinks about the person sitting next to you. He thinks about the person in your life who doesn't know him, who's far from him, who's fallen away from him. This is who Jesus thinks of when he thinks about the church. This is the church. What Jesus birthed wasn't just a building or an organization. It was a people filled with this spirit. He said that you're going to be my body. You are God's flesh and bone to the people in your world. That's, that's incredible. He talked about the church being his bride. 
who he loves, who he's coming back for. The church is you. The church is the people around you. These 50 days weren't just about putting some stories in a book. They weren't just about some events that happened. They weren't just about some structure we could meet in. But these 50 days were about the best is yet to come. And I love that Jesus, one thing that he said to his disciples before, right before he was crucified, he said, you're going to do everything that I did and even greater things. And I'm believing that in this city, that in this church, in your life, in my life, we're going to come back to that reality as we follow Jesus. We're going to come back to this expectation that the best is yet to come. We're going to come back to this expectation that in our lives, we're not going to look back and see a bunch of mountaintops that we can never get to again. But I believe that God's calling us back to this reality that the best is yet to come. That we are going, we, you, your neighbor, we are going to do what he did and even greater things. I believe there's a vision that needs to be rebirthed in the church in our day. I believe there's a, a vision that needs to be rebirthed in the believers in our city. The believers in this room, the believers standing on this stage, an expectation that God has been good and the best is yet to come. Yeah, he's not here in the flesh anymore, but he's in each one of you by his spirit. These 50 days are over, but those 50 days, we just, all we did was cover like two chapters of the book of Acts. The best was still yet to come. There's still like 26 more chapters and then there's like 22 more books after that. And then there's like 2,000 plus years of history, of church history. And then there's your life. And then there's your kids. And then there's what's coming after. The best is yet to come. This isn't a historical religion. The best is yet to come. And I want the best. Anybody want the best? If God's ready to do more than has ever been done before, I want that. Me and Zach. I want that. I want the best. I want the best that God has called you to. I want the best for your life. I want the best that we can see in this city. And so what I want to do is I want to take a few minutes and talk about some barriers to your best. Some barriers to your best. Because there's some things in your life we can talk about the best is yet to come. But the truth is, not everything in your world wants your best. There's some things in your world, in your life, and in our lives. Maybe you're facing it now. Maybe you've faced it in the past. Maybe... This barrier is even what's to come. But there's some barriers to your best, and I want to talk about those so that we can uh, overcome them. Amen? So I want to talk to you about some barriers to your best. The first barrier to your best that I want to talk to is the pain in your past. The pain of your past. <laughs> Sometimes the biggest barrier to what's ahead of you is what's behind you. And maybe it's not so much a barrier as it is like a ball and chain, right? Sometimes there's not a wall in front of you that you can't climb. There's a weight you're carrying that you can't hold. There's a pain in your past, and it's keeping you from the best that's yet to come. For some of you, the pain in your past is blinding you to the presence of God in your past. I started, I started talking earlier about how good God has been behind you, but all you see in your rearview mirror is a big monster called pain, right? And just like those rearview mirrors say, that object is closer than it appears. No matter how fast you try to run from it, it never seems to go away. No matter how much you try to psych yourself up, it never seems to go away. And you, it takes up the whole mirror. So when you look back, it's all you see. 
For some of you, there's a pain in your past and it's blinding you from the presence of God in your past. It hurts. There's a, there's a tragedy. There's something back there that just hurts so bad. What you did or didn't do. Something you wish you would or wouldn't have done. Something somebody did or didn't do to you. It was so painful. It was so painful. And it's totally blinded you to the fact that even in your pain, God was present. Even in your pain, God was present. And the truth is, to get past this barrier, it's going to be a little scary, but it can happen. The truth is, to get past this barrier, you've got to ask God to open up your eyes to where he was present in the pain. The only way to get rid of this ball and chain is to see where God was present. There's something that is in your rear view, rear, rear view mirror and uh, it just might be time to kind of close your eyes, your natural eyes, so that you can open up the eyes of your memory and ask the Holy Spirit, take you back there and say, God, where were you? I need to see you. I don't want to just see the pain in my past anymore. I've got to see you back there. I've got to see you back there. And that's a scary prayer. But... If you're here this morning and you know that what's keeping you from the best that's yet to come is the pain in your past, it's going to feel like risking it all, but you can go there with Jesus because he's good. Because he's good. And there's a prayer that you need to pray, or some, pray something along the lines that's just raw. Jesus, that hurt real bad, and this is really scary. But will you take me back there, and I've got to see you where you were. Will you show me where you were, Jesus? I know it's the last thing you want to do, but if the best is yet to come, you can't allow the pain in your past to blind you from the presence of God in your past. Because it's a barrier, it's a ball and chain, it's a wall you can't climb, it's a weight you can't carry. There's a cross for that. There's an empty grave for that pain. The pain in your past. Another barrier that might be in front of you or, or, or behind you more like from, from the best that's yet to come is maybe it's the prosperity in your past. Maybe it's not the pain. Maybe when you look back, you just see a lot of good stuff, which is awesome. Praise God. But my question is, maybe the pros is the prosperity in your past blinding you from the promise of your future? Sometimes it's just, well, that was really good. And we just kind of coast from there on out. But there's a promise for your future. Don't let the prosperity of your past keep you from the promise of your future. Or maybe things were good and things kind of tapered off for a while and you're kind of in that camp where like, you know, it'll never be as good as it was back then. I want to put some hope in you this morning that the best is yet to come. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's just blinded you to, to the promise that's ahead of you or, or maybe your prosperity has numbed your need for the presence of God. Maybe the prosperity in your past has numbed your need. I was thinking about this and thinking about, you know, I've got our seven-month-old little boy, Smith, and he is adorable, and uh, he's, like, learning to hold things. But, you know, for the most part, can't really do much of anything for himself, right? But every night, he goes to bed clean, comfy, warm, happy, cuddled, right, well-fed. We take good care of our kids. <laughs> Every night he goes to bed just cloud nine, you know. And, and I wonder sometimes maybe he goes to bed like, man, that was a good day. 
I got this thing under control. This life thing, I'm pretty good at this. I'm pretty good at this. And one of his head, he kind of hits his pillow like, yeah, I got this. I wonder if he does. And, and if he does, you know, I, I, don't, I wouldn't say it's probably not because he's arrogant. Think it, it's not that he's arrogant thinking that he changed his own diaper. I think it's probably just because he's ignorant that he didn't even know he needed his diaper changed, right? <laughs> he thinks he's doing so well because he doesn't even know what's being done for him. I wonder what prosperity in your past was breakthrough you didn't know you needed. I'm not saying it's always arrogant to look back and say that went well, but it's sometimes good to open up our eyes when we get a little cocky and say, Lord, where was I just ignorant of what you were doing the whole time? Don't let the prosperity of your past numb your need for the presence. Sometimes it's easy to look back, man, I got this. No, God's just good. God's just real good. Another barrier to what is in front of you. Maybe, maybe it's not what's behind you. Maybe, maybe this is just the right here and now. Maybe the next barrier is that uh, there's a barrier that you're being absent in the present. Maybe it's not so much about the past. Maybe what's keeping you from the best that's yet to come is that you're absent in the present. Psalm 118 verse 24 says this. There it is. This is the day. I want you to read it. Let's just read this together. Okay, one, two, three. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is the day. The day you've got right now is the day the Lord has made. And it's so easy to be absent from today. It's so easy to be absent from today, to be waiting for, waiting for graduation waiting for that first job, waiting to get married, waiting to have kids, waiting to retire. Just that is going to be awesome when I get there. Man, what's next is going to be what's best. It's easy to wait on all those sorts of things. When I make this much money, when, I, when this problem goes away, that's when I'll be set. That's when I'll be in the will of God. Whenever this start, thing starts falling into place, that's when I'm going to be there. That's when I'm going to make it. But my question is, what about this day? What about today? What about this day? The one day you have, the one day you are promised because you're there. What about today? Maybe this is the day. And I think that maybe there's something that's keeping us from our best because we won't rejoice where we are right now. This is the day that the Lord has made. Here's what I'm trying to say. I want you to be careful not to miss what's best because you're looking for what's next. Don't miss what's best right now because you're just waiting on what's next. Common question I think we ask a lot and I've heard a lot as a pastor is when, when am I going to step into the will of God for my life? What's God's will for my life? When am I going to step into what's next? When am I going to get there? 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this, Be, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You will step into the will of God for your life the moment you say thank you. As soon as I start getting grateful, I will find myself right smack dab in the middle of the will of God. 
this day. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. I will be glad. I will give thanks that this is the day that the Lord has made and the best is even still yet to come. But I'm not going to miss what's best because I'm just sitting around waiting for what's next. Let's be thankful. Can we be thankful? I wonder what you're not seeing because you're looking for the worst. Oops, been there, done that. It's amazing what you find when you start looking around for it. Okay, I'll just leave that there. Nobody wanted to hear that part. That's okay. We'll just move on to the next point. Last barrier I want to talk about between you and the best that's yet to come, the best, the best that is yet to come. Your barrier is that you have no hope for the future. I say the best is yet to come and you have no hope that that's actually true. Cool, pastor. Easy to say on a microphone. Why don't you step into my world? You got no hope for the future. I mean, has anybody watched the news in the last like 10 years <laughs> at all? If not, here's every headline. Everything is bad. Everyone is bad. Run. Hide. I mean, honestly, right? Like, no hope for the future. Hope is so foreign in our world. It's such a foreign concept in our world. And honestly, if we can be really honest, even about church sometimes, hope can be a very foreign concept in church. Because, like, if you start getting too hopeful, at best, sometimes Christians are like, okay, you're just hyper. Good for you. You know, you're an optimistic person. That's great. At best, people think you're hyper. At worst, they accuse you of being a heretic, and it's like prosperity gospel to think that God's going to be good in the future. You know, it's like, oh, no, things are going to be terrible. Like, I don't know. God's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. I got hope. I got hope for the future. Here, let me, let me just show you, show you a verse right here. Romans, Romans 15, 13 says this. This is one of my favorite, favorite verses in the whole Bible. Do we have it or no? Okay, I'm just going to read it then. May the God of hope... Bang, way to go, team. May the God of hope fill you with all joy, like all the joy, not just some joy, but all the joy. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Is anything in that verse measured or mitigated or making sure you don't get too excited about what God's about to do in your life? He's not the God who has hope. He's the God of hope. He doesn't want to give you hope. He wants to fill you with hope. From A to P, the Holy Spirit is the will of God for your life to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's what we talked about a few weeks ago. One thing that happens when that happens is you ought to abound in hope. Don't go tiptoeing into the future, hoping nothing goes too bad. Let's go bounding into the future. Arms wide open, expecting the goodness of God. The word hope in, in these verses, is, it means to anticipate, to welcome. It means an expectation of what is sure. See, there's a difference between hope and wonder, right? Like, I hope it's gonna happen, or like, I wonder if it's gonna happen. That's a big difference. Anxiety, fear lives in the wonder zone. Like, I, ooh, uh, I just have no idea what's gonna happen here. Joy and peace and hope, or joy and peace live in the hope world. Because I expect what is sure, that God is going to be good. Abound in hope. 
He is the God of hope. He is the God of looking to the future, knowing that the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Your peace and your joy, they're not found in your circumstances. They are found in the hope that you possess by the Holy Spirit. I guess what I could just say to you this morning is get your hopes up. Get your hopes up. Stir your faith up. Build anticipation in your life for what God is going to do in and through you. This isn't a message about be in a good mood or just be optimistic or like keep your thumb up and a smile on your face. I'm not saying it's going to be smooth, but he's going to be good. There's going to be some things that are tough, but he's good. All things work together for the good of those who are called according to his purposes. There's one thing that I can leave with you as we end our series of 50 more days. If there's something that I think Jesus wants to get across to you, if there's a reason he stuck around for 40 days after raising from the dead, if there's a reason that he said, I know this has been great, but I want you to wait until you get the promise of the Father. If there's a reason, he said, once you get that promise, I want you to go into all nations and make disciples of everybody. If there's a reason, he said, I'm gonna birth my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. If there's a reason, he said, I wanna put myself in you so that you can be my flesh and bone. If there's a reason that Jesus calls us collectively his bride, if there's a reason for that, it's because there's this core truth, this message that we need to carry for the world. The best is yet to come. We have a hope. We have a future. In a world that's falling, in a world that's broken, and in a life that is so up and down, God is good. God is good. He's been good. He's good right now. And he's going to be good. The best is yet to come. The God of hope. I believe Jesus took 50 days to get a message across to you and bless you to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that you might abound in hope. This is Jesus. This is Jesus, the God of hope here to fill you with all joy and peace as you believe. This is Jesus. And this is us. This is us. This is us, his church. This is us, Antioch. This is us, the people in this room. This is us. The flesh and bone of God here to declare a good word that the best is yet to come. want to be rooted in the love of God. There's no brokenness that's too scary. There's no sickness that's too big. There's no sin that's too messy. God loves you. God loves you. He loves you if you're here. He loves this world. He loves, he's not scared of anybody's stuff. Can our message of the best is yet to come be rooted in the fact that God is love? And maybe we could also be rooted in this truth of the power of God 
that not only does he love you in your brokenness, but he fixes your brokenness. Not only does he love you in your sickness, but he heals your sickness. Not only does he love you in your sin, but he sets you free from your sin. Can it be true that the best is yet to come? Could it be true that after all we've seen, after all he's done, the best is yet to come? Could it be, could it be that the best is yet to come? For those of us who are Christians, we're in this world to believe. We are in this world to carry and share this truth that the best is yet to come. And if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, it's time to jump in. It's time to jump in to Jesus. He loves you and he has power for you and the best is yet to come. I want you to stand up as we finish our time together this morning, as we wrap up the series, these 50 more days. And I just want to end with this call to hope. I want you to hope. I want you to risk with your hope. I want you to believe that the best is still yet to come. I want to call you past the barriers to your best. I want to call you to a faith of what's to come. I want to call you to joy. I want to call you to peace as you believe in Jesus and are filled with the Holy Spirit. The best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. We're gonna end with a song here in a moment that we love around here. All you crazies always seem to get into it. It's called the King of My Heart. And it's a declaration that you are good. And I love it, and it just goes, oh. That's how I sing it. It's just, you're good, you're good, oh. It's like, wow, whoa, he's good, he's good. I've done enough things over these last few weeks to make you feel uncomfortable what I've done on this stage. So I'm just going to go ahead and say it. We need a whoa revelation of the goodness of God. We need a whoa revelation that the best is yet to come. So I want to call you to hope. And just like we've done these seven weeks, it's just kind of turned out that way. It's like if you want it, I want you to come up to the front right now. I want to pray for you as we worship. So come on up now, right now. If you want to step into a fresh hope, if you want to step into this reality, if you want to give your life to putting it all on the line and saying, God, I believe the best is yet to come. I want you to come up to the front. I want to pray for you and I want to challenge you to sing this song as you look back and say, oh, you're good, you're good, you've been good. And I want you to also sing this song looking forward and saying, you're going to be good. Prophesy over your future. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what it's going to, how it's going to play out, but I know he's good. He's good. He's never going to let you down. Can we be a people that get catalyzed out of these 50 days instead of just sit back down in our nice cushy seats? Can we be Christians that wake up by the power of the Holy Spirit? Can we be people who go into where God has called us to with a message? Go out to our work day tomorrow on purpose. Can we love our friends? Can we be in our families with a message that the best is yet to come? The best is yet to come. Let me pray for you as we begin to worship this morning. Jesus, we love you. We love you. And I thank you, Lord, for this truth. I thank you, God, for these 50 days. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for how you have come on us. I thank you for how you have filled us. God, I ask right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, 
that you baptize us again, that we might be filled with all joy and all peace in believing. I pray for everybody's faith in this room. I pray that you protect it. I pray against every barrier to their best, every barrier that's telling you not to get your hopes up, every barrier that's telling you you've tried that before and it didn't work, every barrier that's telling you this isn't for real. Lord, I pray against it right now in Jesus' name. I ask that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would take down every high thing that tries to lift itself up against the revelation of God. And we ask the Lord in this song, in these moments together, in this building, in this basement, right now, God, would you overcome us with a revelation of your goodness? Would you give us hope in Jesus' name? Lord, would you come in the power of the Holy Spirit as we declare that God is good.